0: You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Steven Roach. This is season four, episode 12.
1: You know, there's just moments where something happens on stage where the entire atmosphere changes in the theater and you feel this presence or this weight and what I believe to be the presence of God kind of challenging our lives and, and confronting our lives based on the story that you're seeing happen.
0: The Broadway musical Hamilton is a popular musical written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and is inspired by the life of American founding father Alexander Hamilton. Since its debut in February of 2015, the show has been widely received as a groundbreaking work of art. Its cultural and creative impact has continued to grow and inspire its audiences from London to New York and cities across America. The theater show has served to popularize the otherwise obscure historical figure whose face adorns our american ten dollar bill and shines as a testament to the influence of art to impact history and shape the social conscience one audience member on whom the show left a lasting mark is author and pastor kevin cloud from kansas city missouri the impact of hamilton on kevin's life led him to write a book describing the spiritual insights he gained through the story. Kevin sees Hamilton as a modern-day parable that carries a deeply spiritual and transformative power. Earlier this year, I sat down with Kevin to talk about his perspectives on the Broadway musical and how this art form has the ability to access the human heart in a deeply personal manner. Be sure to check the show notes of this episode for links to Kevin's work and to get tickets to the upcoming 2019 The Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Gathering. This is my conversation with Kevin Cloud on the life of Alexander Hamilton. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on Makers and Mystics, and I look forward to talking to you today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about the conversation.
0: Well, for those of us that aren't as familiar with the story of Hamilton, can you give us a brief recap of the history of Hamilton and a little bit about the story?
1: Yeah, of course. So uh, Hamilton grew up kind kind of a poor orphan kid in the Caribbean. His father left him at a pretty young age. His mother died at the age of 10. And so he was kind of living down in the Caribbean without really much of a hope of a future. And through a set of circumstances, some businessmen kind of noticed and recognized his kind of brilliant intellect and sent him to America to get educated. So he was given this incredible gift to go to America. And he showed up right at the birth of the American Revolution and kind of had this incredible ability to be right place, right time. He... He goes to serve in the army. He very quickly catches the attention of George Washington and is invited kind of onto Washington's staff. And so he basically serves as George Washington's chief of staff throughout the entire Revolutionary War and uh, then is at the center of the new government that's built and really was one of the most influential founding fathers probably other than George Washington. And he lived a really... Incredible personal life as well with some incredible triumphs and some huge failures. And so it just makes for a really compelling story for for this musical that's come out because, again, there's so many ups and downs and twists and turns, and it's just a really, really amazing man that he was.
0: Tell us what inspired you to write a book about the musical, and you seem to have found a lot of spiritual themes within it. Can you talk to us some about that inspiration?
1: Yeah, so I went and saw the musical probably maybe three years ago on Broadway. And had listened to some of the music and had already built pretty significant hype back then. And so I went with pretty high expectations, but honestly was just completely blown away by what happened in that theater. I left the theater knowing that I had not only encountered this really brilliant piece of art, uh, which it is an incredible musical, but even more than that, I left the theater feeling like I had this spiritual experience. Like I had encountered God in this story that was being told in this creative act it was being shared with the world and so you know there's just moments where something happens on stage where the entire atmosphere changes in the theater and you feel this presence or this weight and what i believe to be the presence of god kind of challenging our lives and and confronting our lives based on the story that you're seeing happen so really had this incredible moving experience seeing the play and then i went home and i read the biography that the play was inspired by it's by ron chernow and it's this you know, 900-page opus about the life of Hamilton. And I read his story and continued to have this sense of, man, this is a spiritual story. Uh, this was a guy who lived deeply with God. This was a guy who uh, followed God, although he, he did have some major failures and major difficulties in his life. But he, he tried to follow God best he could. And all of the great themes of the gospel are really at the center of this guy's life. It's a story of grace and despair and surrender and death and redemption. And in reading more about his life, and then thinking about the musical, all of these spiritual themes just started kind of popping out of me. And it made me start to think deeper about the power of story, about the way God uses art to touch us and to transform us, and to help us connect with these deeper spiritual truths, which is what happened to me in this story of Hamilton.
0: Well, that's interesting, because in your book, you also talk about how a lot of people who have seen this musical describe it as a life-changing experience. And in your own experience, you've really had an encounter in the play or in the musical as well. Why do you think people are having such a strong reaction to seeing Hamilton?
1: Yeah, that was one of the initial questions that really started me down this road of potentially writing this book, is I would read people that would give reviews or read people talking about the, the musical, and they would use language not only of, wow, what a great musical, they would say, this, this musical changed my life. There was one New York critic that talked about how when he saw Hamilton, it was like a fresh wind was blowing through the theater that he hadn't felt in years. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell has seen seen the musical, I think, 15 sometimes. And she said, it's like going to church to her. It's it's vital for her soul. It's medicine that she needs for her soul. And so that was one of the questions that I asked was, man, why are people having such a deep emotional response to this musical? And the, the, the answer I came up with and that I think is true is that This is a spiritual story, and it's a story that connects with the deepest themes of our lives. And we see this story play out on stage of, like I said earlier, a story of grace or a story of forgiveness or a story of becoming who you were created to be, and that it inspires us and it challenges us and it it makes us want to live out those realities in our lives. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who created Hamilton, he has this great line where he talks about one of his favorite things about live theater is that it creates moments of action and what he means by that is that when you're at the theater scenes happen on stage that confront the audience's life and that makes the audience decide what am i going to do in response to this so you know hamilton one of the famous songs from the from the musical is hamilton singing that he's not going to throw away his shot and that line really captures the heart of what Hamilton was about. He was, a, he was a man of incredible initiative. He was always pushing himself and trying to be the best version of himself he could be, always taking initiative to accomplish what he thought God was calling him to do. But people go and see this musical and they, they see the story of a man who didn't throw away his shot. And then that creates this desire for action in our lives. It creates a desire for us to say, I wanna be that kind of person. I wanna be the kind of person that takes advantage of my opportunities. I wanna be the kind of person that doesn't throw away my shot. And so people go to this, to this story, to this musical, and we see forgiveness and grace and redemption and all these aspects that we then want to take and bring to our lives. And I, I think that's why it connects so deeply with audiences.
0: Well, one of the main themes you talk about is the transformational power of story. Why does story and theater have the ability to impact our lives on such a deep level?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So neuroscientists are learning more and more about this idea as they study our brains and how our brains react to story. Brene Brown was writing about this, and she talked about how we are literally hardwired for story, that story is wired into our DNA. And uh, neuroscientists did one study where they where they were having people watch stories up on a screen. And what happens is that If we're watching a a movie, let's say of a guy riding a bicycle, what happens in our brains is the part of our brains that are required for us to ride a bicycle are actually firing up while we're watching that story. So it's almost like what's happening on the screen, we begin to feel like it's happening to us. Uh, Neuroscientists call this idea transportation. The idea is that we get transported into the story. And that's why when we go to a scary movie... Our, our palms start sweating or our heart starts racing. Or if we go to a sad movie, we start to cry because we get transported into that story. And, and we feel like that story is starting to happen to us. And so in a lot of ways, the beautiful thing about that is in that story has the power to transform us because we feel what we're watching, we experience what, we, what we're watching, and then we have the ability to kind of take that truth back to our lives and see if it'll change us. So I actually I, I heard a great quote from a a player on the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team. The Lakers were in New York, and they got their entire team tickets to see Hamilton while they were there. And this guy that saw it after the play, they were interviewing him, and he said he said sometimes you get so caught up in your own world that it's good to get into someone else's world and then take what you learn from that world back to your life. And what he's saying there is, I went to the theater, I saw this story. I learned some lessons from it, and now I'm bringing it back to my life, and it's changing me, and it's transforming me, and it's helping me figure out what it means to be fully alive. I think story oftentimes inspires us, it gives us hope, it casts vision for us of what our life could look like, and we take all those lessons and all those truths back to our lives, and it changes the way that we live today.
0: Each of the chapters in your book highlights a different theme that you kind of take away. One which comes to mind is grace, and then initiative and redemption. Can you tell us some about the themes that you chose and and what they mean to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so grace, you know, to me, I look at the life of Hamilton, and I think everything that he became and accomplished in America. And again, most most historians would say he was probably the second most influential founding father, other than George Washington. But everything that he became is really built on this foundation of grace. You know, we've already talked about how he was this poor orphan kid in the Caribbean with no hope of a future or possibility. And what happened was a hurricane came to the island that he was living on and just devastated the island. And Hamilton wrote a letter kind of in response to the hurricane and wrote it through really interpreting this natural event through the lens of a spiritual interpretation. And he writes this letter, a local newspaper picks it up, And some businessmen read the article and they see this brilliant intellect, this brilliant gift that Hamilton has, and they go and they find him and they put some money together and they tell him, hey, we're going to send you to America to get educated because you have incredible potential. You have this incredible intellect. And so we want to send you to America. And so again, what he becomes, it is built on this foundation of grace. It was a gift that he could have never earned, that he didn't deserve, uh, but it was a gift that, that kind of sent him off into what he would become. And what's true of Hamilton is true of all of us, right? Our lives, they're built on this foundation of grace, of what God has given us, a gift that we could never earn, that we would never deserve. And yet it's this free gift that God offers to every single one of us. And so that's what each chapter tries to do is it tries to take this lesson from Hamilton's life and then help us apply it to ours. So uh, you asked about initiative. Uh, Maybe one of the greatest characteristics to describe Alexander Hamilton was he was a man of initiative. He again was in the Continental Army. One of my favorite stories that I learned about him, uh, the you know, the famous crossing of the Delaware, where where Washington takes his army across the Delaware on Christmas Eve for a surprise attack on the British. It was a really critical battle to kind of to kind of change the tide in the Americans' belief that they could actually win the war. And Hamilton, who was a who was again on Washington's staff, he actually was was in bed sick when that happened. And he'd been deathly ill for a few days. But when he heard that that battle was happening, he willed himself out of bed because he had the kind of personality that absolutely could not miss out on that kind of an opportunity. So he gets himself out of bed. He crosses the river with Washington. And at that point, he was leading an an artillery uh, brigade. And he played an important role in this battle that that was really central to the American Revolution. But that's how he lived his life. He was always taking initiative when the new government was forming. Hamilton was one of the key members that was pushing the new U.S. Constitution. He wrote an incredible amount of articles to try to get people to ratify the Constitution. And everything he did was always living with this great initiative. And in the book, I kind of connect that to the story of David and Goliath. Where Goliath is, you know, shouting out to the troops of Israel and everybody's hiding out in caves and nobody's willing to go out and fight this giant because they're too intimidated and they don't think they have a chance against him. But David shows up and what does he do? He takes his slingshot and he charges out onto the battlefield and he takes this incredible initiative in the name of God and he's given this victory over, over the giant. And then the the trick is how do we become a, a people of initiative in our lives? How many opportunities do we miss? Because we're hiding in caves, because we don't think we have what it takes, because we lack the courage to boldly do what God is calling us to do. And so we too try to become a people who take advantage of our opportunities, who don't throw away our shot. I really love the interplay of grace and initiative. A lot of times we see those as as kind of dualistic categories, but but I really see them as categories that work together where God gives us grace and at the same time we are called to boldly take initiative into what he's calling us to do. And then lastly, you asked about redemption. This is probably my favorite moment in the entire musical. So Hamilton grew up as an orphan and that reality was really his most painful experience throughout his entire life. It brought the, the greatest amount of kind of shame uh, really even as an old man. I mean, there were people in, in the American government that would taunt him or tease him about his upbringing. And it just really caused a lot of shame and brokenness in him. And after Hamilton died, he the way he died, he was actually shot and killed on the dueling ground with the sitting vice president, whose name was Aaron Burr. And the two of them had political differences, and they tried to settle it on the dueling ground, and Hamilton ends up being shot and killed. And Eliza, his wife, who was an absolutely remarkable woman, uh, she obviously was was absolutely devastated and spent a few years grieving the loss of her husband. But later, after she got got over her grief, she felt this really clear call from God to go build an orphanage. And she and a handful of other of women built the first uh, private orphanage in New York City. And they start taking in all of these orphan kids who, to be an orphan in the early 1800s would have been an absolutely awful and desperate existence. I mean, it would have been a day-to-day fight for life and so Eliza is now giving these kids opportunity and a hope and a future and and what i think she's doing is she's taking this really broken part of Alexander's life and she's redeeming it. She's making it beautiful. She's using that brokenness to inspire her and challenge her to bring beauty to other people and to their lives as well. And that's what God does, right? God takes all the broken parts of our lives, all the parts that we look at and think could never be redeemed, but he redeems them and he uses them for good. That is the business that God is making There's the passage in Revelation where Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. And I think that's what Eliza is doing. And I think that's what God longs to do in our lives. A really beautiful thing about that story is that this orphanage that Eliza started back in the early 1800s, it still exists today under the name Graham Wyndham. And it's this incredible organization in New York City that is still doing work on behalf of, of kids in need in New York. And it's an I've got to know them a little bit through writing this book, and they are amazing people, and they're doing amazing work. And it just it blows my mind to think that a woman 200 years ago that was trying to redeem her husband's kind of source of brokenness is still having an impact in the world now 200 years later.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really amazing. Well, you've got me thinking, I've done a lot of research and a lot of studying on theater and this particular art form because you know early on and I've mentioned this in several other podcast episodes But at least in Europe, the theater began in the church. It began as an expression where the priest would hire actors to act out the sermon. Or if he was Mm. preaching on a particular parable in the gospels, uh, he would hire several actors to come and display that as he was given the sermon. But then as it moved on and down into the 1700s, theater was frowned upon by the church. And it, it was actually considered one step down from public drunkenness, <laughs> um. you know? Uh, and so it's interesting to see, you know, the push and pull of the role of theater, even as an art form that could portray the gospel or, you know, enrich us in a spiritual manner. And so I'm curious how your involvement with this story and, and how you're writing this book and thinking about Hamilton, how it's influenced your thinking not only about creativity and faith, but uh, even specifically for Broadway and for theater and how this really became a medium for you to have a spiritual encounter. Can you talk some about how that transformation took place in you?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I, I didn't know the background of that. And that's, that's fascinating to me. And I, I love hearing the connections to theater and the church. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it makes me think of another Quote, I, I talked earlier about how Lin-Manuel Miranda talks about how he loves live theater because it creates moments of action. But then there's a second aspect of it that he says it also does. He says it creates moments of transcendence. And that was absolutely my experience in seeing Hamilton. And, and it, it doesn't happen just with Hamilton. It happens with any good play that you go see. But there are these moments where, where, again, something happens where the theater changes, where the, where the atmosphere in the theater changes, and where all of a sudden you feel completely present, and you feel the presence of truth. And I think you feel the presence of God. So it makes me think about a scene where Alexander Hamilton has uh, betrayed his wife. He had a, an, an affair that became very public and it became the first government sex scandal. And uh, Hamilton is working through reconciling with his wife. His wife is obviously devastated and humiliated, and but Hamilton is asking for forgiveness and his wife in the in the song as they're singing the song she's she's cold she's distant at one point Alexander reaches out to touch her arm and she flinches and pulls away from him but by as the song goes on she kind of warms to him and she softens and by the end of the song they sing this line together where she where they start singing again and now she's forgiven him and the entire cast sings out forgiveness can you imagine and it is i mean even right now like the hair on my arms is is standing up because it is this profound transcendent spiritual moments. And I do think theater has this unique ability to create those moments for the audience where the audience is sitting there and they are then challenged and confronted by this idea of forgiveness and whether or not we will become the kind of people that forgive in our lives. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the things I love about theater is that it's three-dimensional. Yeah, It shows us Instead of tells us, it's not uh, just something that's told to us, but it's something that is incarnated. It fleshes out the ideas. It it fleshes out the reality of the spirit, uh, the life of God. It just it creativity is the way that these things can come alive to us, and uh, it fascinates me to see you having such an encounter on Broadway, (laughs) you know, in a play or in a Broadway musical that really just transports you into this encounter with seeing redemption and grace and all these things being played out. And so I really love the way you've highlighted theater as a conduit of encounter with God's presence. And I look forward to seeing what's next for you.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it. It does feel like God's taking me on a journey of opening my eyes to not only theater, but certainly creativity on a larger scale and just trying to figure out what it looks like to live a creative life and to inspire and equip other people to kind of realize their creative potential. So I'm really excited about what lies ahead and the journey ahead of me. And yeah, I'm excited to see what happens.
0: Yeah, man. Well, thanks for talking with us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for the time, man. Really enjoyed the conversation.
0: And thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Your support makes these conversations possible. If you'd like to support the podcast and join our creative collective, you can follow the link in the show notes of this episode or visit patreon.com slash makers and mystics. Music for this episode is provided by the band Pearl Merchant. And also I would like to thank our sponsors at Kilns College for their work in offering one-year certificates in theology, arts, and culture. You can find links to their website in the show notes as well. We'll see you again next week.